What's going on guys, AJ here. So I'm looking to do another test run of my weekend, weekdays at Bernie's talk and speech. Um, for those that know, I think I've done, I think I've done two of these already where I've decided to pretty much go through a test run. Um, jump on, jump on the mic here, share some thoughts, some perspectives, um, and do it. I think in the format that I want to try to speak, um, the format that I want to try to speak like or at at the at the overall event, um, and just get my cadence down, get my timing down, um, get my examples down, and just see how see how natural it is. So this part will probably be the very last part. It'll probably be about twenty. I'm going to try to make it fifteen to twenty different minutes, um, and this will be, yeah, this will be the last part that I do, and and then I cut out into um, I cut out into uh, into a um, cut out into Q and A, uh, and and then make a little bit more conversational. But so, I, and actually, I might do Q and A, make it conversational after each part. Frankly, um, so that's actually something I've been I've been noodling on with my um, with my fiance because she'll be she'll be there with me as well. But um, this inevitable section is going to be titled uh, "The Importance of Psychological Safety When uh, When Forming High Performing Teams." So. This is essentially how it'll go. So with this last section, I'm excited to cover the importance of psychological safety when forming high performing teams. Someone like me in my career, I always think about number one, high performing teams due to my background. Right. Um, as you heard in my intro, I, I spent some time at the D1 level, the high um, the, the top tier D3 level. Um, I played for Wesley Wesley College and I played for West Virginia. And with those teams and with those opportunities, and obviously being at a pretty high level throughout high school um, and even some professional once I left the university, I really understood the importance and the infrastructure of a high performing team from a sports perspective. Now, you know, at the time, I, I don't think I did a lot of uh, of the research that I've done now to kind of couple that that instinctual perspective of kind of being involved with those teams for a while. But now kind of with my with my my old age and, and with um some studying and, and some more experiences, I, I have a perspective of the importance, the key, the, the 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 elements of psychological safety that you must lock in on when trying to create um, high performing teams and frankly, trying to manage high performing teams. I think the very first thing that's not even on the bullet points of things that I want to cover that I just literally ad hoc thought about right now is, you know, with high performing teams, you have to take in consideration the fact that you are dealing with a-level talent from a perspective where you have to really manage that talent individually. I look at, you know, I, you look at, let's go back to sports for a moment. You look at, and you, you look at the, 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 the Warriors right now, right? And what they're doing. Steve Kerr has to be very thoughtful around how he manages and supports and understands Steph Curry. Then he has to do a completely different scenario with Draymond. Then he has to have a completely different relationship with Andrew Wiggins. Then he has to have a completely different relationship with um, with Jordan Poole. He has to contextualize that experience one by one by one. And what you have to realize is when you're a high-performing team, you're dealing with A-level, high-quality talent, right? You're dealing with top-tier talent. And with, with top-tier talent, and with top tier opportunities comes top tier issues, comes top tier complexities, comes desires, comes ego, comes all these different variables that you have to really take into consideration and remember. I think it's I think it's harder, I think it's easier 
dealing with a, a team that's not as talented naturally or skill-wise and trying to inevitably get them to a higher level than it is to take a group of really high, really skilled, really engaged folks and put them into a situation where they're working together cohesively and building psychological trust with each other. So that's just one kind of ad hoc perspective. But getting into these bullet points, the first thing I'm going to cover is embracing the discomfort, you know, from the from the angle of supporting diverse talent with diverse backgrounds, communication styles. The leaders of high-performing teams must understand that their communication style is not God, is not law, right? And I've made this mistake. I make the, I actually make this mistake constantly, constantly uh, in my relationship today. I tend to think that my fiance, I, I like to believe at times, which is not good, that my communication style, my speed of a communication and processing of that information needs to be the exact speed and processing of her. And that's not empathetic, that is not kind, that is not polite, that is actually not even intelligent. Like, like at a pure psychological level and frankly common sense level, how can you assume that your communication style, your processing of information speed will be identical to a completely different human being? That is objectively not, not even a, a logical frame of mind. Yet, Myself included, we make these mistakes, whether it's in our intimate relationships, whether it's a sports team, whether it's a team within your organization that you're running, we make these, we, we make these, we, we forget that <laughs> the reality is these are completely different human beings. So that's just number one. Number two, the communication styles and preferences. And what I mean by that, let me define that because I think a lot of people have gotten confused. There are moments where I'm literally talking about communication, like giving feedback, that style, um, the way you like to structure your meetings, um, the way you like to literally communicate new ideas or perspectives or hold people accountable, um, the way that you literally communicate via email, your internal communication strategy as a leader, um, the, the amount of information that you provide contextually when generating or working with folks from an ideation perspective or, or a workflow perspective. Um, I think everyone had, you know, the moments where you are a little bit brash, you are a little bit rude, you are a little bit impolite. Everyone has a communication style that we have to take ownership of. And it's important for a leader to be very self-aware of what that communication style is and how that shows up. Right. And, and, and frankly, how do we support diverse talent? And, and understand and build in modes and ways of thinking and infrastructure where we understand their own communication style and preferences. You know, I have a company called Beyond Resume, and I'm a huge proponent of trying to find a way to take Beyond Resume internal. Beyond Resume at a high level, what we do is we understand, we help high level talent and job seekers understand who they are operationally. And communication styles and preferences are one of those factors, right? For example, with me, I know my communication style when it comes to a workflow is I'm much of a, hey, let's collaborate to get to like a 30%. Actually, let me individually do something to get it to a 30%. Let's back up for a moment, get everyone together, get it to like 60 or 70%. Let me take it from 60 or 70 to 80 or 90, then get everyone else together to, to finish it off. That's my workflow slash communication style from that perspective. I know I'm very brash and honest and direct, but incredibly empathetic. I know I go on long-winded rants where I'm giving a lot of context. Someone has to be okay with that. So those are examples of my communication style and how that shows up. And that's very different. And so it's important to, to help 
really key players that are living within diverse teams understand for themselves what their communication style is so they can articulate it and hold people accountable. How can you have anyone hold you accountable or how can you expect someone to give you what you're looking for if you don't explain to them and articulate at a deep level what it is that you are looking for and what you need and what your preferences are? And so I believe that going back to the Beyond Resume uh, brand, I believe it is important to teach leaders how to extract this information, how to understand at a deep level what is Susan's communication styles and preferences. How can I have a Google Doc? How can I have a Asana, a dash? How can I have some sort of information that I go to that tells me exactly what their communication style and preferences are? I know of a leader right now that does one-on-one meetings every month, and there's an ongoing document that he, he has and connected at the very top of each document, it has the name, their title, um, their current struggles, or their last struggles from the previous meeting, communication communication styles and preferences, desires from a benefit perspective. They have a whole list of things that they inevitably just need to remember and lock in on. And I think that's very smart and 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 uh and a great idea operationally because it puts you in a situation where it's a part of what you need to do to get the job done versus a nice to have or something you remember to do. So that's number one, embracing discomfort, supporting diverse talent around understanding and having them get educated around their communication style. And it's going to be uncomfortable. It's not going to be the most comfortable thing in the world. There's going to be some discomfort there. It's going to be some uncomfortability there. It's going to be, it's going to be a, a, a weird feeling at times, right? Because you... And let's go even to another thing to wrap up this segment. You have to remember, look at your friends right now. Go back to your time at university. Look at the people in your relationships right now, your friend, your family and friends rather, that you have the greatest relationships with. Your communication style and your own ability to deal with discomfort are probably one or two things. Either the communication style is very similar or B, you have tremendous amounts of empathy and passion for each other, that you that you appreciate their style, you've understood their style, and now you know what to expect from them and you don't judge or you don't clash. There's a third probably set of human beings in your world where your communication styles are completely opposite. They don't complement each other and you both don't have high levels of empathy for each other. Thus, you get nowhere. And so I think the number one thing before we move on is every single leader needs to understand and embrace the discomfort of their individual communication style of their team members. And what does that look like and calculate and grab that data? The second thing, learn from each other, learn from your teammates individually around what is going to create and allow them to perform at a high level from a psychological safety perspective. So again, imagine you're a team player. I know right now if I were to join, actually... I am in the process of looking for another job. So if I was in the process of looking for a job, which I am, I already know right now what a team leader could do, a department could do to make me psychologically safe and make me feel like I have enough information, enough of my head wrapped around what I'm getting involved in to perform well. I already have my thoughts on my communication needs, my internal comm needs, my workflow needs, what you need to know about me, what I need to know about you, how I work with you, understand how you want to work with me, um, give you my values, my perspectives on the deliverables and the ROIs and the KPIs of my role, um, You know, set up a cadence where we understand how to give each other positive and candid and negative feedback. I, I have thoughts around how we can do that, right? How we can create those psychological safety channels, if you will, so that we can all perform at a high level. 
So it's incredibly important that each team member learns at an individual level how to create safety, how to allow and support each person to live and to perform and to work at a very, very high level. So I'm going to put a pause there. I'm looking at I'm actually making great time. This is about 12 minutes in. I have three more bullet points for this. So I would have easily got to 20 or 25 minutes. Um, But I honestly this was a test run, but I really did the test run so that you guys could learn. The two things that I locked in on today connected to psychological safety, high-performing teams, the examples that I gave, it's something to really pay attention to. And I think we all should, yeah, just fucking pay attention to it. So um, I love you. Thank you. And uh, I think there's a lot of good here. And uh, there's definitely some things to to, kind of lock in on and get excited about. Thanks a lot.